The following program was made possible by Ward's lawyers. Find us at wardlegal.ca. What's our first stop again? Uh, Kirkfield, there's a couple of spots there. Can you call it a contest, I guess, or a competition? Um, or? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, that uh, well, as you've said, the official title is a scavenger hunt, but I think there are prizes. And... Okay, well, let's hear what it's, uh, with the changing colors and cooler temperatures, now is the perfect time for a drive and a game of I Spy. Um, spot the icon posted at one of 18 cultural locations across Kawartha Lakes and learn new details about some of our oldest artifacts. You know, there should be a little asterisk here that says, Denis, we know you don't like geocaching and scavenger hunts, but we really think you're going to like this one. <laughs> so. but, uh, but I mean, you know, even you can't argue with the idea of um, just kind of an excuse to get people out to areas they might not go to as much or maybe have never been to like I think there's a lot to be said for organizing things and giving people a way to explore because I think those things are there but a lot of us just kind of go oh yeah I should go to that place sometime and never do yeah okay well, let's check this out see if we can find their little I spy tag on it Buckle up and eyes peeled during today's program as contributing producer Nancy Payne and I take you on a few stops along the city's I Spy cultural scavenger hunt. And we search, sometimes in vain, for those elusive sticker icons at various sites. The Lex is back, not with a vengeance, but with caution and still some fun in mind. Harry Stoddard of the Lindsay Ag Society explains, it took me a while to pronounce Qigong. I thought I could just go with Tai Chi, but they're really not the same exactly. We'll take you inside a Qigong session in Lindsay. Advocate reporter William McGinn brings us some of the sounds of a recent public meeting on a topic that's consuming residents of Cameron. That's all coming up on episode 39 of the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. But first, let's play some I Spy, shall we? just past the intersection here, right? And, uh, I believe Kirkfield. so, on the south side. It's the former uh, Presbyterian Church. Now, you know, I don't think I would have had any reason to drive down this road other than to you know, kind of tour around. No, I was thinking that, that this side of Kirkfield to the west, I'm not on very often. Oh, this looks like it might be it. Here and see. Museum, yeah, that's there it. Here we are, okay. I don't know if it's open. Do you want to go look for the... Symbol? Yeah, let's go look for the symbol. They okay. can say it's outside anyway, so cool. we'll find it. it. looks kind of desolate, actually. It is a beautiful building. I love the bell in the front, eh? Oh, yeah. All right, so now we have to look for that little logo, right? The iSpy logo? Yes. It's okay. a neat tower. That's the, the architecture is a bit different eh? from sort of a, a bigger, more solid kind of tower than I'm used to. Beautiful honey-colored brick. Yeah, I've literally never seen this building before. Wow. Or certainly never paid any oh, notice to Oh, there it is. It. There it is. Where? Oh, on the, the door. door. Right, in, right in the door. Our first discovery. My name is Carissa Ward from Ward's Lawyers in Lindsay, your official sponsor of the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes.
Well, it's been a while since we've heard the sounds of cattle or horses in a show ring or, or championship poultry cackling in cages. But those sounds are scheduled to return to the Lindsay Fairgrounds after being suspended last year because of you know what. The Lex opens September 18 and will run to the 26th. A bit longer than usual, but it'll also look a bit different than the usual fair. All part of the plan to adhere to and possibly even exceed safety protocols. Harry Stoddart is the general manager of the Lindsay Agricultural Society. I met with him just outside his office at the fairgrounds in Lindsay. I first asked him how the decision to mount an actual in-person fair this year came about. In August at a, at a board meeting where we looked at what the restrictions were, and we actually had a um, doctor heavily involved in the vaccination program here into the board meeting and we talked through what the risks were and whether it was something that we should be proceeding with and uh, he was fully supportive from that moment been driving forward with a full in-person lex and something that's going to feel very close to a, a traditional fall fair so that the overriding concern was obviously safety of staff, of volunteers, of exhibitors, and of people coming to the fair. And we really spent a lot of time checking the boxes, talking to public health, making sure that it did make sense that you could do this event without undue risk of transmission. What were those big concessions that you had to take a look back and go, okay, if this is going to happen, it's not going to look exactly like it did in 2018 and 19. The big one that we made early and has turned out to be key to a lot of it is stretching the Lex to 10 days so that we, you know, we only have the heavy horses in, not both heavy and light. So we have a lot more space and uh, more opportunity for physical distancing in that, especially down in the barns. The big piece of restrictions that people are going to notice is obviously uh, we have capacity limits on number of people in buildings, number of people at the grandstand shows, number of people at the fair overall. Uh, so it's it's not going to be as jam-packed um, for obvious reasons. It, it shouldn't be as jam-packed. You know, you won't see a, a petting zoo here this year. You know, that those massive crowds of kids, it's impossible to sterilize a rabbit between kids. Uh, so the rides are spread out farther on the, on the midway area and there'll be... Uh, physical barriers for, for lineups and things like that. We're following all the, the guidelines that uh, public health is, is putting out. Mm-hmm. You're actually following more of those guidelines. If, I, if I'm reading that note you sent out correctly, I, I got the sense that you, the note essentially said, look, we may not have to do this, but we're going to do it anyway. We're going to go the extra distance to, to implement these restrictions. Why do you go that route as opposed to, well, let's just do the bare minimum. And if we have to up it, we will. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if you look at the capacity limits, um, if we went to the letter of the provincial regulation, we could have higher numbers of people here, but our own sense of it was that was going to be too many for the, the space, for people to feel safe and for us to feel comfortable with the number of people we had here. The provincial regulations are the minimum, but we're going to do what makes sense in our discussion with public health and with our volunteers and, and staff to ultimately we do want everybody to be safe you know my my worst nightmare is is a is a covid outbreak as a result of this so uh, we're hopeful that we've put enough measures in place that the risk of that is is quite low we're not making vaccination mandatory for people attending the lex Mm. we are going to follow whatever the provincial regulations are once they uh 
actually published those regulations. They've made an announcement, but they haven't given us the detail of the regulation at this point. So we're not, we don't know what we suspect is going to apply to parts of the fair. Um, until we get those regulations, uh, we're not sure exactly what that's going to look like. Right now, we've taken the position everybody should be prepared to be providing proof of vax. And if it comes down that we can relax it from that, we will. What's that like creating that balance, the public safety, but still ensuring that the people who, who grew up with the Lex, who love it, are still going to enjoy themselves? Uh, yeah, you've, you've hit on one of the, the real struggles that, that we have in, in planning this year. I know that the atmosphere isn't going to be quite the same. You know, we're not going to have 6,000 people packed into the Sunday night demolition derby. The, that wouldn't have been responsible. But we're, we're going to have the main things that people remember the Lex for. There is going to be a demolition derby. You know, we're going to have rodeo here. There's going to be a midway. It may operate a little bit differently, but at the end of the day, families are going to be able to bring their kids out. They're going to be able to see farm animals. They're going to be able to ride rides. They're going to be able to make themselves sick on too much candy and junk food um, and hopefully feel that they had a good time in a, in a responsible environment. Just over my shoulder here is the entrance to the fair. Yes. Have you already envisioned what you're going to be feeling as you see those people walk through that gate, given the year we've had, given the fact that you weren't able to do it last year? I'll, I'll be a little bit choked up with, with emotion. I've, I felt that already when we got our first cattle show back in after being closed and seeing a couple hundred head of Holsteins in, in the barns. That'll be where, where it kind of hits me that it's, it's all been worth it. Hi, my name is Harry Stoddart. I'm the general manager at the Lindsay Agricultural Society. You're listening to the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. This is our second stop, and we've been here before. It's the Stone Fences. Just, uh, would this be east of Kirkfield, I guess? Uh, yes, just a little bit. And then you come around here and you see this. You're right. So I never really paid attention to the sort of the derelict stone fences that kind of merge into these pristine, beautiful stone fences. Yeah, I, I just remember the first time I saw them, I just felt like I was in England or Scotland again. Like this just reminded me so much of that kind of um, scenery around there. And, and well, and the fences, I think they did bring over an artisan from Scotland to, to make these. And the actual logo, where will we find it? On the right hand? Because there are fences on the right hand side as well, on both sides of the road. Oh yeah, look, people did them all the way down into their private property. I never noticed that before. This is actually a great road to cycle on as well. The first time I saw these, it was just the tail end of lilac season, and it was so beautiful, like just incredible. It goes on forever too. Yeah, I just love that people have picked this up and started doing it on their own property as well, right beside the lake. Coming around the bend. We missed it. Huh. Don't turn around and... No, you know what? Let's... That's just part of the experience of sometimes missing <laughs> it. Let's onward to the next one. Fair enough. Well, I mean, the main thing and the whole point of the tour, right, is we saw the fences, which are really, really beautiful. And not only saw them, but we slowed down to really observe them, so nothing else, even if we didn't find yeah, the logo. fair enough. It forced us to sit and actually watch and really study them. Okay, onward to um, Kim Mount. We have two more stops on this I Spy cultural scavenger hunt, which runs until October 31st. 
There are about 50 in all, but hey, this isn't a 12-hour episode. My name is Denny Grignot. I host this program called The Advocate Podcast. We are 100% local media and part of the Lindsay Advocate Online and the Lindsay Advocate Magazine, available throughout Kawartha Lakes. Our publisher is Roderick Benz, who tells us what The Advocate has for us in October. We've had a lot of discussion about federal politics of late, but there's another election on the horizon that also really matters here in Kawartha Lakes. In October next year, we will choose a new mayor and consider what new or current councillors best suit the vision we have of our city. But no one seems to be talking about the benefits of diversity in municipal politics. The Advocate will lead this discussion both by dedicating next month's edition to diversity in municipal politics and in the business world, and by holding a panel discussion open to the public on this very topic. The Advocate believes we need more women, more young people, and more people from racialized communities to reflect the strength that diversity brings to decision-making and to model the city we hope to one day become. All this and more in the October edition of The Advocate. Hey, did you hear or read those comments recently from that politician who said that stuff about that other politician that time in public for everyone else to hear and or read? Now, to be fair, this isn't the exclusive domain of politicians. We're just witnessing it more right now because of, well, you know, because accusations, allegations, and just downright cheap shots are everywhere. Kind of the cornerstone of social media, sadly, too often. But how often have you heard or read something and wondered, how can they say that without getting sued for slander? Or, or is it defamation? Because there's a difference, right? Hmm. Sounds like this calls for... Wards of Wisdom. More than just words of wisdom, it's wards of wisdom. Jason Ward is one of the principal owners, along with Chris Ward of Ward Lawyers here in Lindsay. He's made time for us here to explain what slander and defamation really are and when it can even be acted on. Uh, Jason, first of all, thanks as always for, for agreeing to do this. Always happy to do it. Love being a part of this program. We love having you here. Okay, let's start with uh, some definitions here because I know that many of us just toss these out assuming that they're interchangeable, but I'm gonna guess they're not from a, a legal standpoint. The umbrella term is defamation legally, and that has two channels or two streams. One is libel, which is being defamed by a written word, such as in a newspaper or on the internet. And the other channel is slander, which is being defamed verbally or by a spoken word. Uh, one of the requirements for defamation to be sued for it successfully is you have to publish your statement, which means it must be heard or read by at least one other person. That's it? That's your public is one other person? In theory, uh, you could sue me for defaming you at a cocktail party by one statement I made to another guest at the cocktail party. Really, the test for defamation is you're, you've been lowered in the estimation of the eyes of your fellow right-minded, reasonable citizens. Fellow, when you say fellow, what, what if it's somebody who's an underling or somebody who just can't be taken seriously, whether it's an internet troll or whoever? That's a factor. That's a factor. Um, but the court, will, the court will apply the test of, look, would a reasonable person who would have read this or heard this about you have thought negatively about you as a result of the estatement? And if it's defamatory of you, you may have a cause of action, but there's lots of subtle, nuanced areas uh, of this uh, type of law that is very technical in nature. Uh, it doesn't matter if you make a defamatory statement about me, it doesn't matter what you think you meant to say in the statement or not. Uh, the court will look at it from an objective perspective. 
So if you say something about me at that cocktail party and you don't think it's defamatory or you didn't mean it to be defamatory when you said it, that won't win the day. That's not a defense for you. It's, it's whether objectively you defamed me and that's the reasonable person test. Uh, a classic example that's going on and it's, it's, you know, there's more and more of it these days is, is internet reviews. Uh, many people now, when you leave an establishment, you, you know, Google may text you and say, what did you think of this establishment and encourage you to put a review in. That's a classic situation where people complain they've been defamed. And sometimes the reviewer response or defense to that is I didn't mean to defame. I was just being honest about the service I received or whatever. Um, so there can be a misinterpretation between the sayer of the statement and the listener of the statement about what the words mean or what they were intended to mean. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about nuance here. I'll, I'll give you an example, and you weigh in on this one. Uh, sir or madam, what you said is a lie, and you are constantly lying versus you are a liar. Is there a clear difference there? Uh, no, I think the, I, either the inference from that statement or expressly, you're saying this person is a liar. This person makes false statements about things. I don't think there's a distinction there legally. Both import the, the notion that you don't tell the truth. And that would be defamatory of you. If it's said in a political context, like at a political debate, there are some exceptions to, to doing defamatory things. One of which is, for example, uh, if you sue someone in your court documents, if you make allegations that they falsified something or were fraudulent, you're protected from that. Are you saying that the forum, the platform could be a little bit different? If That's we're going right. to look at a debate, for instance, is, do people, are they cut a little bit more slack? Because, well, given the context of where we are right now, it's a public debate, if we're going to use that example. You get a bit more rope? You do. You do. There are some protections and exceptions. Uh, usually, it always comes back to, uh, even if you were in a forum that allowed for you to make defamatory statements about me, um, were you malicious? If I can prove that you were malicious in how you went about it, even though you do have some protection, I can override that protection uh, on the basis of malice. How much will a court look at the aftermath? I'm thinking of the person who claims to have been slandered, but there's no real discernible evidence to show it caused that person any harm to his or her career or their personal life. How much will the court take a look at that and go, yeah, I know there were bad things that were said about you, but let's face it, this isn't going to harm you. Yeah, good question. And it, it's a factor. Uh, in the area of libel, there is a presumption if the person is defamed in a professional context that it's damaging, that it caused damages. The issue is how much damages. Slander is slightly different. Slander, um, you may have to adduce evidence of what the statements, um, how they impacted you. So it might be that you get an affidavit or call a witness about who heard that statement, who said, yes, once I heard that, I thought less of this person and I didn't do business with that person or didn't go to that person for services. I get a lot of questions and queries about defamation. But if you send me something and you say, uh, I've been defamed, I want to sue over this. Uh, frankly, I have a, a holy shit test that if I read what you send me and I say, holy shit, you probably have a good defamation case. Uh, and that's, that's often my first litmus test that I apply to libel or written defamation is my holy shit test. I know that doesn't sound overly uh, legal or formal, but practically speaking, when I read it, am I shocked by it? Hmm. Uh, the more shocked I am, probably the stronger your case is. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not uncommon for me to say, yeah, this is defamatory. Uh, this person has defamed you, but that's not, that doesn't end the story in defamation. There are defenses. So if I defame you, and I can prove that what my words spoken about you were the truth, I'm off the hook. 
And there are other exceptions to defamation. There are specific times or circumstances when you can say certain things that the court will permit. And for example, a couple of years ago, the Ontario government introduced a new law in Ontario to try to end frivolous defamation lawsuits. Uh, because what was happening was many people, particularly larger companies, were suing small you know, individuals over defamation for reviews online or whatever, uh, just to intimidate them, to get them to be quiet and to recant and remove their statement. So that's one of the reasons the government changed the law and said, look, if the statement online or the, the written, the spoken statement is a matter of public interest, if the public should be aware of this statement, like a review about a contractor online, you may not be able to sue for defamation. You have to overcome that hurdle now at the outset of a lawsuit. If I make a bad review about lawyer X down the road uh, and I say something online about that lawyer, that lawyer could sue me for defamation. But part of my defense, firstly, will be, well, no, I was making a comment about public interest, about the quality of services that this, this practitioner provides. I'm allowed to do that, and the court may agree with me that it's a matter of public interest and therefore it's protected. So I can't be held liable for defamation. I'm still trying to get my head around one lawyer suing another lawyer for defamation. That, that is not a situation I'd want to be in, but I got to admit as an observer, that would be fascinating to watch. This it's how, uh, it's happened. And there's been issues with this uh, historically, locally as well. Yeah, well, I mean, defamation is not unlike other areas of civil law uh, where litigation is abhorrently expensive. Uh, and you have to do a cost-benefit analysis of bringing a claim. You know, if you're going to spend... $75,000 on a lawyer to litigate a case, you've got to be satisfied that A, your case is strong enough, uh, and B, the damages that at the end of the day, after you deduct your legal expenses for doing it, will make it worth your while. I act on defamation cases all the time, um, but I will tell you that a lot of people decide not to pursue it for various reasons. One is, will I win? And that's somewhat questionable. The other is, it's just too expensive to pursue. Uh, you know, 80 to 85% of civil lawsuits settle before getting to trial. Um, that being said, the stronger the defamation, the bigger players in the case. I mean, if you've got newspapers involved or if you've got prominent, uh, prominent members of the community who've been defamed, lawsuits do happen and they go to trial. Jason Ward is a lawyer with Ward's Lawyers here in Lindsay, exclusive sponsor of the Advocate Podcast. For all your legal needs, including queries about defamation, you can contact Jason or Carissa Ward and their team at wardlegal.ca. Busy day in Kinmount. Yes, tons of four-wheelers and cars. and Well, it's also the farmer's market too. Huh? Of course, the other thing I love about this site is the um, Icelandic heritage statue. I think that's a part of our local story people don't always remember. Yeah, and it's worth it taking just a moment to read it. This is only steps away from the railway station here at the at the sawmill. And the farmer's market. And the farmer's market. And uh, Hey, well, the, the water wheel's turning. I've never actually seen that before. Oh, I thought that was this... purely an ornament. I, I, no. You're right, this is, and there's water pouring down it, so it's not like an electrical motor, I don't oh, think. Oh, that's so cool. But it's also got the history here too, right? You know, and you mentioned the history. I mean, I've, I've been here a number of times as well, but I've never really paid attention to the uh, the big display just explaining the history of of sawmills and gristmills here in Kinmount. So it's worth it, even if you don't find the, the little I Spy logo, which by the way, I have not yet. <laughs> it's worth it just to, to read the information in the history of gristmills and 
to take in the waterfall over there. Well, honestly, and I suspect that's the not too subtle, not too hidden agenda of this is it gets us out to places where we just stop and look with fresh eyes, right? Like yeah. these are, this is our backyard. We go by this all the time, but I've never stopped to read those panels. Inside the actual sawmill where they have, they turned it into kind of a, a museum display. Uh, but I, I must admit, I studied it more closely because I was looking for that iSpy logo, which I still have not found. <laughs> but it's worth it just to see what, you know, what, a, jack, what a jack ladder is, a log deck, and well, I mean, a carriage. You know, and... mills are like, almost every community in Kawartha Lakes was settled around a mill of some kind. And yeah, sawmills were incredibly important. You are listening to the Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. The village of Cameron, just north of Lindsay, could see a housing development in the near future. Flato Development's plan is to build large estate homes on one-acre lots on Sturgeon Lake. The project could also include a golf course, restaurant, and a resort. While some are championing Flato's plan and welcoming the potential for more needed housing in Kawartha Lakes, others, not so much. Those opposed include a number of residents of that small community who say they're especially wary of the development's potential environmental impact. Recently, Flato Developments held a public meeting in Cameron to hear and address these concerns. The Lindsay Advocate's William McGinn was at that meeting. You can read his report at lindsayadvocate.ca. Now, William also gathered some of the voices for the Advocate podcast. In this clip, you'll hear some of these residents as well as FLATO President Shakir Rematula. So we're going to be having more of these meetings. It's not that we're going to be approved tomorrow and we're going to be building. These studies take a lot of time. I have at least talked to 100 people in the area uh, and who have said to me, yes, a golf course in this area close to the lake would be a great idea. And we're still going, going on with, with our research and the plan may change. Uh, with what and how, and we may add a few more things, we may delete a few more things, and this is the I, this is the reason, like, what you're asking, what have you done, I'm doing it right now. So the, the question was, if, if your company, which is an independent company, comes up with uh, an analysis of the land and says there is significant uh, habitats here, significant geological formations, it's environmentally sensitive, my question is, what does Plato do that's a tricky question to answer. It's not an easy answer to give you because in Ontario, there's all kinds of different levels of, I'm not gonna use the word significance, I'm gonna use the word importance. And some things are really important and they're protected outright. And some things are moderately important and there's things that you could do if you get a permit. And there's things that are not important, even though we might like them a lot. And there's really, no reason to protect them from a terms of policy and regulation. So on this property, we're about halfway through our work, so I, I can't give you a list yet of what we found because we're very early in the process. I expect we're going to find things in each one of those categories. Uh, I have just a quick question for you. Uh, golf course and uh, houses, cottages, cabins, whatever you call them, should it ever be developed? Where is your water source? That takes one pile of water. So in terms of water supply, I mean, you have two sources. You've got groundwater in the bedrock or you've got surface water. So for the golf course, I would say it's either going to be wells or surface water or a combination of both. 
Our thanks to the Advocate Magazine's William McGinn. He recorded some of that public meeting in Cameron recently, which was organized by Flato Developments. You can read William's comprehensive article on that subject at lindsayadvocate.ca. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Please reach out to us with your thoughts and questions on the program, whose success really depends on downloads and streams, which you can do on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All free, courtesy of our exclusive sponsor, Ward's Lawyers. For all your legal needs, they have you covered. Find them at wardlegal.ca. It's so great to see everybody. It's just unbelievable. It's so good, eh? So good to see you all. Nice crowd. Let's start it off, though, like we always do. Pick somebody you haven't seen for a while. And have a little you may have seen them in Victoria Park this past summer. A group of, well, let's call them seasoned adults, all moving in unison, slowly, a meditative kind of exercise. It's called Qigong. Okay, I think I got that pronounced right. And the group had to move indoors at Cambridge Street United Church for their weekly sessions. It's getting cold. Now, the sessions are open to anyone. They just ask that you make a goodwill offering to the church. This Qigong group is organized by Wilf Ludlam and Doreen Sinclair. You're going to hear from them in this story, along with some of their Qigong students. So a lot of people haven't really heard of Qigong. The word Qi is energy, and Gong is works. So the air we breathe and the food we eat creates energy so that we can do soft, slow, smooth, gentle movements in sync with the breath. So you follow me and do what I do and move slowly. There's no rights, there's no wrongs, there's no judgments. Just be here now and go with the flow. Who are the people you're attracting? Basically over 60 years of age. We have one lady, Mabel, that came one day for 97. We have Two ladies at 89, one at 83, and a gentleman at 83. I'm 78. You're the kid. And I'm the kid. Well, no, Doreen's the kid, okay? She's... <laughs> Creating core strength and good balance. There are a lot of people who were isolated, they were lonely, and so we came up with the idea of why don't we get together and do, do a little Qigong, right? And so a lot of people came out just for the social aspect, and then we got them hooked on Qigong. How did you do that? How did you sell them <laughs> on coming out here to stretch and move by, slowly? Just by participating. We didn't expect anything of people. We just said, come, watch, do what you can sit on the chair if you need, uh, but just try to do a little bit of breathing exercises. 
And so when you do an upward movement, you're breathing in. And when you're coming down, you're breathing out. And so it really improves lung capacity and a person's confidence and energy level. So on the soles of our feet, we have um, an energy gate. This area is called bubbling springs, so it's that soft pad on the bottom. It felt like a, a really nice soft workout. I must say, um, and it, the nice thing is doing this in a group, it makes you really work on it at home. It's not persistent enough because your day goes differently. When it gets you out after this long summer of sort of, you know, being, um, well, in lockdown or whatever, and uh, you say, oh, yes, I'll do it at home, and sometimes you do, but it's just not the same. It's you get involved in different things, yeah, yeah. How do you feel right now, just moments after this session? Like, describe to me your... I'm a little warmer than when I came in. <laughs> I can feel, oh, yeah, I worked up a little bit of a sweat, but um, no, I feel great. Well, every, everything is better, really. Um, I, I think I'm probably clearer. My morning fog is dissipated, I think. And uh, it generally, I feel I'm more flexible because I'm usually stiff in the morning. <laughs> I'm quite loosened up right now. We're all 70 going on 50. <laughs> Okay, Will, do the pitch. I'm under 60. How do you convince a person like me that, oh. you know, try this ahead of Tai Chi, try this ahead of yoga, try this ahead of just basic meditation. How do you convince me? Qigong is the mother of Tai Chi. So all Tai Chi is Qigong, but not all Qigong is Tai Chi. So if I want to compare Qigong to Tai Chi, Qigong is much easier to learn because you're, I'm here standing here now and you're watching me. You don't have to remember a lot of things. And it's, it gets to be a little slower because if we get into a, a group situation in Tai Chi, you're watching somebody else and they'll be going a little faster and you got to catch up. And that's and stressful, to be honest with you, because I've, been, is I've really, been that person. That is really stressful when, you, when you, you're trying to keep up. Whereas this, only one person, me, I'm the monkey. You follow me, do what I do to the best of your ability, I guarantee you will get better and better. Hey, this is the so-called aha movement. Kai, repeat after me. Sing! I found it quite easy and easy to follow. Will's a good instructor, he makes it quite simple. And uh, he's not judgmental at all. So if you make a mistake, he doesn't really care. Why was that important to you? Uh, just sort of my core belief. I don't believe in judging people or making snap decisions or things like that, eh? We're just all here to have fun and loosen up a little bit, and that's what this is good for. Um, feeling good, feeling a little better, a little bit looser. Every time I come, I'm a little bit looser. And um, at my age, I'm 75. So I, I think that's good, to just to keep loose, eh? It makes you think a little bit more about what you're doing, eh? Slow walk, you can just sort of not have to think about things like watch what's going on. Here I have to concentrate a little bit more and you try and keep in sync with everybody else too, eh? Yeah. If our balance is poor, that energy can be blocked. I see so many people in pain on the scooters in town 
It gives me so much joy just to see people get better. If they join classes like this, Qigong, Tai Chi, yoga, we're all on equal footing. We all have different mental and physical abilities. And just do the best you can. And as I said before, comparison is a thief of joy. Just be here now with us and the world as it is and make it a better place. The bubbling well is our earth connection or our roots. I wasn't sure that people would sign up for Qigong because people wouldn't necessarily know what Qigong is. But Balance in Motion was- They could understand that. Yeah, it's an opportunity to help people build their core strength. And if we can save one member of the congregation from having a broken hip, it's all worth the effort. My name is Doreen Sinclair, and I'm from Cameron, Ontario. And you are listening to The Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. Okay, well, we uh, got to see some interesting stuff here at the, the Kinmount Park that I hadn't really paid much attention to before, but no luck finding the iSpy logos on either of them. We're one for three at this point, Nancy. Hopefully we'll have better luck at the last one. Uh, I don't know if I have the full name, but it's Misqua Art Gallery near, um, just on the other side of Bob Cajun, so southeast of us just a little bit here. All right, onward. 250 Edwin. But see, there's the, the scavenger hunt sign right there. There. Well, great. Wow, beautiful spot here. It's lovely. I love the Anukshuk. Hi. Kudos for you for having the sign boldly indicated. The last two spots look, were not. See, like the, the actual gallery is outside. Yes. It's all through here. Oh, wow. So, what we have is just my work that I do. Uh, during the whole month of July and August, I host a gallery with 15 other artists. So that's already been, that's already come and gone. So now it's just me. And then the upcoming studio tour, the Victoria County studio tour is coming up. And then after that, I'm planning a plein air event and getting artists to come out, do plein air down by the river and invite the public to come out and watch real live artists doing their real live thing. And it'd be very engaging. Engage the public with people all the families, kids come out. I've inspired, you know, being here, I've inspired so many little ones to start art. That entire I Spy scavenger hunt trip, even with its minor frustrations, really was fun and refreshing. And it wrapped up so nicely there with that visit to Daniel Marlatt's Misqua Studio and Outdoor Gallery. The city-sponsored scavenger hunt runs until October 31st, and yes, there are prizes. Go to the city's website and you'll get all the information there. This show is made possible because of the good people at Ward's Lawyers, Carissa and Jason Ward, as well as being just great community-minded people. They have a great team of lawyers for all your legal needs. Find them at wardlegal.ca. Our theme and musical bridges are courtesy of the very talented Gerald Van Halter and really looking forward to seeing him perform again at the uh, the Boiling Over Cafe. The Advocate Podcast Stories from Kawartha Lakes is produced by me, Jenny Gringell, with some help today from Nancy Payne. Be safe, be nice to each other, and be sure to get jabbed. À la prochaine, on vous verra dans deux semaines.